Why don't we begin with a word of prayer uh, together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the group that's gathered here, this community. Father, we do praise you this morning, and we thank you. We thank you for worship. We thank you for your scriptures. Uh, we thank you for each other. Father, I pray now that you will speak through your scriptures uh, to me and through me. And Father, we pray that each of us will leave here uh, with something that we could take home to help us draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You might have seen the title of my sermon. My title, uh, well, probably two things. You probably heard that Psalm 27 and say, what the heck are we going to talk about this morning? But we'll get there. Uh, but the title of my sermon this morning is Living Above Your Fears. And, um, you know, we all face fears on a regular basis, right? And as I was thinking about this, I looked for a definition of fear. And this was a good one, I thought. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain and threat. You know, like, like I said, some of our fears, we all have fears, some of our fears are real, right? And some of them, our fears are probably a waste of time and energy. Some of our fears are what I call annoying, and maybe you call them annoying, but some of our fears really keep our attention. And finally, some of our fears actually paralyze us. You know, one of the things I wanted to look up a list of common fears. So we talk about things that we all share. And so what I did is I found two lists. And it's quite fascinating about these lists. One was in 2001 by the Gallup Poll. And the second list I'm going to share with you, top 10 list, was a list in 2022 by Chapman. And, the and you'll see the difference of common fears. The number one fear in 2001 was snakes. Our common fears was snakes. Number two was uh, public speaking. And I think it's rather humorous here. I was thinking about this in terms of a lot of us are afraid to get in front, and myself as well. I remember my first college class, taking a speech class, and I was giving a three-minute talk, and I was terrified. And here I am today trying to do a sermon. But that was a common fear for people in terms of public speaking. Third, heights. Fourth, enclosed spaces, claustrophobia. Five, spiders. Six was needles and getting shots. And I know maybe some of you, but I know all my grandkids have that fear very strongly, trying to get them to take a shot. Seven was mice. Eight was flying in an airplane. Nine was dogs, and 10 was thunder and lightning. That was the list in 2001 of the common fears. One of the things you could say about them, they were all what? Personally a fear, right? And I would imagine, does any of you have any of those fears on that list? Would you be willing to raise your hand? Yes, you are. We do. But here's the interesting thing. Here's the common fears in 2022. And you can see if you can compare and contrast this list. Number one fear in 2022, corrupt government officials. Number two, people I love becoming seriously ill. You know, we went through the COVID, right? 
Number three, Russia using nuclear weapons. Number four, people I love dying. Number five, U.S. will get involved in a world war. Number six, pollution of drinking water. Number seven, not having enough money to make it through the future. And number eight, a global economic collapse. And number, five, number nine, pollution of oceans, rivers, and waters. And finally, biological warfare. Do you see a difference between those 20 years? Yeah, isn't it right? Before it was these things that just bothered us, but you can imagine why the heaviness that we feel today when you think about that list, right? And those are really significant fears. And I think we all have those fears. And like I said, some of them are just annoying to us. Some of them really capture our attention and focus. And some of them are actually paralyzing us. That's why we're talking today about overcoming your fears or living above your fears. You know, it's interesting, in 1 John 4.18, it says this, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Well, having, to, having perfect love is a process. And so in the meantime, I think we're all going to have fears because we don't have that perfect love. So I think life is, uh, without fear is not possible. Life without fear is not possible. But our faith actually can help us live God's will in our life and sitting, instead of letting our life be reduced by our fears and insecurities. And that's what our goal is, our faith. So, but I would say this, this is my theme this morning, living above our fears is possible and there's only one way for that to happen. Living without fears is only possible when we have a strong confidence of God's activity in our life. And we see this in Psalm 27. A lot. We need to have this presence of God and there's a lot to teach us here. So, look at, let's, I hope you have your Bibles, and let, we're going to look at the first three verses of Psalm 27. And what we have in Psalm 27, the first three verses, is someone who's living confidently. This is an example of someone, and this is David, who's living confidently. Look what he says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to slander me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I, am, I will be confident. Wouldn't we like to be like David today and say those kind of things? Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? My heart will not fear. That's a good place to be. That's what is a confident living, isn't it? And it would be great to be able to say that like David says it. And he is so confident, he says here, that when his enemies are attacking him, he's not going to be afraid. And you know what's interesting about these enemies here? 
Look at the pronouns. Me and my. These are all personal enemies of David. And he says, when the wicked advance against me or slander me, when army besiege me, when a war breaks out against me, I'm not going to be afraid. These are all enemies, personal enemies of David at this point. Not national, but this is personal. And he says, what's going to happen to those enemies? They will fall. They will stumble right there in verse, is it verse 3? Uh, verse 2, they will stumble and fall. He is so confident. He's not even going, thinking he's going into battle, he knows that God is going to protect him and take care of him. You know, and the, uh, it's interesting in the message, has anybody ever seen or read the message paraphrase of the Bible? I like what it says for verse 3 here, it says. And you can think about this. Here's David. His enemies are trying to slander. They're trying to get at him. He says this. When besieged, I'm calm as a baby. <laughs> when all hell breaks loose, I'm, call, I'm collected and cool. Isn't that where we want to be? We want to live with that confidence. No matter what's going on around us, we are confident that that's going to happen. And what he says here, the reason he is confident is because he is not placing his confidence in his own abilities and strength, but it's in the Lord. I think one of the things that I want to really help us emphasize today, so much about how you live life without fear has to do with your relationship with Jesus and his activity in your life and your awareness of that. David said these things, here you can see in verse 1, he says it because the Lord is his light and his salvation. The Lord is his light and his salvation. John uh, 8.12 says this, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have a light of life. David is confidently walking in the light of his salvation and the fact that in the end there's going to be victory. Today, where are you at in that regard? Are you walking in the light of your salvation? That God is making a path for you, making a way for you. Then the second thing he says, the Lord is his stronghold. I don't know if you know what a stronghold is, but a stronghold is hold is a place of security place of survival it's a fortified place it's like a fort or a castle or a bunker or a high tower that's where God gives people strength and that's what God that's what the Lord is for us and for David it says in Psalm 59 16 but I will sing of your strength in the morning I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress and my refuge in times of trouble. We have to have a proper understanding and respect for God if we're going to live above fear. This morning, is the Lord your light and your salvation? This morning, is the Lord your stronghold? And you have a sense that that's true. And that is a way for us to move beyond 
and to be reduced by our fears. But then he goes on and he makes a prayer. So he's really confident at this point, but he makes a prayer at this point. Look at verses 4 through 6. Through, um, this is his first prayer, 4 through 6. Nice. He's got this confidence that he doesn't have to fear, and God's going to protect him. But look at what he prays for at this point. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple, for in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy and I will sing and make music to the Lord. What David wants, there's only one thing he's going to ask the Lord. It's a confident situation. He said, this is all the only thing I'm seeking. There's one thing and only thing. What was that? What did he say? What He was asking God. Forever, right? To dwell in the house of the Lord. That's what he's praying for. But here, what you have to understand here, he wanted to enjoy God's presence. He wanted to be in God's presence. He wanted to experience God's goodness and love. You know, the temple here is a visual expression of God's presence. Here's what David wanted. More than his enemies being uh, defeated, he wanted to spend time alone with the Lord. He wanted to be in his house forever. I like what it says there. He wanted to dwell in the house all the days of his life. He wanted to gaze and contemplate of the beauty of the Lord as it's expressed as he did, helps other people. He wanted to seek him in his temple, inquire him to get some direction, to get some idea of how God wants him to act. This was the only quiet place in a noisy world. A perfect getaway where there's no traffic. I was thinking about this. We used to live uh, in Kansas City. If you're in Kansas City in the summer, you might recall how hot it is. And I, at the, after, and at the end of the day, I'd, have, I'd be in my office and I'd go outside and all of a sudden I knew it was going to hit me. The heat would come up right off. It seemed like it came right off the streets and it was so hot. And I'd get in my car and on the way home, you know, the traffic was, was busy. People were honking their horns. I had a busy day. It's hot. I'm trying to get home. And then I would get inside my house in the air conditioning and the quiet and the calm. And it was, I was in a whole different place. And that's what David and he's encouraging us to do the same thing, to find this quiet place with the Lord in his presence. He said, when, he said if you're in that quiet place, you'll then understand God has a way for you, a way out of your situation, he has, to, he has a place to protect you. And then one of the, my struggles with people today, and myself included, is we spend very little time in reflection. Very little time in those quiet places with the Lord. 
Part of it is our culture. Our culture says, if you're not busy, you're not important. And so even when we talk to people, we talk about how busy we are. As if, as if that's a sign of, hey, we're significant people. Well, let me tell you, in our, in our relationship with God, we need those quiet times with Him. Because when we get those quiet times with Him, it's actually then we understand He has a, will, he has a place for us. He wants to protect us. He talks about there in those verses, he wants to keep them safe. He wants, to, he wants him to uh, hide him in his shelter. And I think verse 6 is really interesting. Here's how he ends with this, where he wants to be. He says, Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who have surrounded me. His head is above his enemies. Now think about what this is, what he's saying. We see an example in the first two, uh, three verses. How to live a life without fear. How to be confident. He says, how do you want to stay there? You stay there by taking time alone with God in the quietness. And when you have that quietness, you're going to remember that he's going to protect you. When the battle comes, David says, I'm going to win, and I'm going to be on top. Interesting thing is, what does he do with all this? It causes him, in verse 6, to worship. When we're in that place of our life, then coming to the service and worshiping God is easy, right? It's very difficult coming when everything's in turmoil, right? When you think, does God really hear me? Does he really care for me? That's what we see in verse um, 1 through 6. But look at the change now in verse 7 through uh, 11, uh, 12. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says, seek his face. Your face, I, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foe. For false witnesses rise against me, spouting malicious accusations. You know, uh, there's a definite mood change here, right? From the first six verses to now. And so what people have suggested that this tone change might suggest that these were actually two psalms. Two different songs that he was singing. But you know what? If you look at them closely, the words and the themes and the structure of both uh, of these uh, sections would suggest that they belong together. And I'm saying they belong together. And we learn from them. Another suggestion is made that actually, if you wanted to flip these, this was the, the second is really showing the process of getting to the first. And so the idea is that after searching and doubting, your faith is developed and it leads you to kind of a rely, more reliance on God. Either one, that could be possible. 
But I do believe they belong together, and, I, and it's very clearly that the tone changes here. The tone in this is one of anxiety. As much as he was at peace in the first six, he is anxious here. And you, we've all been there, right? We all have been where the psalmist is in this second section. It might be a time when we or someone we love becomes seriously ill. It might be a time where there's some financial struggles in our lives. Where is God in the midst of this? Maybe it's relationships that are falling apart. And we get desperate. But look at, what, look at the words he uses. And tell me you've never done this with God. Maybe you haven't. But it says, Hear my voice, Lord, when I call. Be merciful. Answer me. It's like you're yelling into the sky and nothing's there. It says, My heart's telling me, Seek the Lord. You think, you start thinking to yourself, I should seek the Lord. He says, I am seeking the Lord. He goes on to say, Please, God, do not turn your face from me. Have you ever felt that way? Don't turn away from me in anger. Do not reject me and forsake me, even though my mom and dad have. Do not turn from the desires. Do not uh, turn me over to the desires of my foe. It's a very interesting contrast in verse 6. Where did he say in verse 6 he was in relationship to his foes and his enemies? What does it say in verse 6? He was above, right? Now he's saying, what is he saying? He's saying, they're coming up to get me. Yeah. The same person, just like you and I. We have these moments, right? And so he makes this prayer in verse 11. Look at verse 11, the prayer he says. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. He wants immediate deliverance from his oppressors his adversaries. His ultimate goal is to do God's will, to ex ex experience his fellowship and his joy and enjoy his protection. And he wants the straight path to get there. He wants everything removed so he can experience victory. And ultimately, what his prayer is this, and maybe this is sometimes our own prayer. God, who's going to win here? Are, is my enemies going to win? Or am I going to win? For him, for David, there's only one solution. God's going to have him win. It says in Psalm 41, 2, The Lord protects and, pres and preserves. They are counted among the blessed in the land. He does not give them over to the desires of his foes. Why can David be so confident at this point? Why can we be confident, even in the midst of this uh, period where, where fear is overtaking us, and we sense that there's no hope? There's four things. David had this, and we can have these as well. The first is this, is a personal relationship with Yahweh. If you look in your Bibles, everyone probably has the capital L-O-R-D in it. It's the personal name of God. It's the covenant God, the one we could trust. Our life could be a, a lot better 
if we have this personal relationship with Yahweh? Do you have a personal relationship with Yahweh today? The second thing he says, he's counting on, I am personally devoted to God. When people say, seek God, what does David say? I sought him. He can have confidence that God's going to deliver him because he has a relationship with God, a God he can trust. Also, he can say, Lord, I'm trying to follow you. And when I have to repent, I repent. The third thing, he has a record. The record of of, uh, God being his helper and his savior. One of the things I like to suggest to people is this. They have different names for it. But to keep a list of gratitudes or thanksgivings. One of the things I do, I try to write down ten things a day that I'm thankful for. And those are reminders. Like what God has done in the past, he can do in the future. And the final thing is, the way he sees his relationship with God is like a father and a son. And no father, a heavenly father in any ways, will not care for his son and take care of them. So this this ends up, this passage ends up, he's there, it's interesting. You know, in the first part after he, the first song, the first part of the song, he worshiped God. In this, look at how he ends up responding at this point. Look at verses 13 and 14. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. Well, he is convinced that the Lord's going to deliver him. He's, he's confident at this point. Again, he's confident. He says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in my lifetime. Even though as everybody is on him trying to get him, he is going to see the goodness of the Lord. He's going to have taste God's fellowship. He's going to experience God's protection, his guidance, his victory. His hope is based on his relationship with the Lord. He will wait for the Lord to deliver. And then during the meantime, he will be strong and courageous. That's what he's asking us asking us to do it. It's just like Joshua told the people of Israel when they're about to cross the Jordan River. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Both these responses. When things are going well, he worships. When things aren't going well, he waits. And he's strong. And he's courageous in the midst. He doesn't give in to all those fears and all those negative things that you're thinking could happen. You, you wait. Because he's trustworthy. And that's where the key is. The key is, are you experiencing the active presence of God in Is that true for you? That your worldview cannot is not without God in it. 
What's happening is not without God in it. That's what he's calling us to do. You know, I, I know that this morning lots of you are experiencing um, anxiety, uncertainty, fears in your faith journey. And you know what? I know often you feel all alone. You feel all alone. And sometimes there's not people for you. But what the psalmist is telling us is God's for you. He's sitting there wanting you in that quiet place to remind you he's there for you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to protect you. He wants you to feel his presence in that quiet space. So I would say this today, this morning, my challenge for you is this. If you are living above your fears, good for you. <laughs> if you're living above your fears, which I hope many of us are, it should really help us worship Him more clearly. For some of you here, you're waiting for deliverance. What David's telling us to do is hope. Hope as you wait. Stay strong. Be courageous. I'm coming through. And for some of you here, you're overwhelmed by your fears. I know that's true. And my suggestion for that for you is ask for prayer. Ask for people to pray for you. I think there's a, it, I, you know, I'm not sure I could say this is a, a, totally accurate, but sharing your fear with someone at sometimes takes the heaviness away from that burden. Don't carry it alone if you don't need to. He wants to love you and he wants to provide you relief. That, that is an unbelievable truth. You have a God in heaven who, made, who created everything, who really cares about you and doesn't want you to struggle. That's beautiful. So, what I said today, as I started, living above your fears can only happen if you have a strong confidence in God's presence in your life. And let me close with this uh, psalm as a prayer. Let's pray. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear that the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their searching, God is our refuge and our strength. Amen.